Hey, well, good morning, everyone. We are beginning a brand new series today that we're so excited about. Uh, we're calling this series, What Happy Couples Know. And I want to give you, uh, you know, some, some of the why for this series. Several months ago, we actually did a survey in our uh, children's ministry area with parents. We asked our parents, hey, what's the number one way we can come alongside you to help you as you're parenting your children, as you're discipling your children? And the number one answer far and away was, listen, we need help in our marriage. We need to be on this, help us get on the same page as it would relate to our marriage. So we're going to do this series on relationships. Now, when you think, oh, and by the way, we also want you to know, uh, this was actually a series that was first done at North Point Community Church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. We, we're actually adapting this series for our purposes. We are going to be, uh, we're actually expanding it, but we've tinkered with it, kind of made it our own. Um, so, but we just want you to be aware that this series is out there. It was first done uh, there. Now, when it comes to relationships, um, all of us uh, carry around an invisible box that we carry into not just our married relationships or engagement, but really every single relationship that we have. And that box um, is this. It's a box that uh, represents our hopes, our dreams, and our desires, not only for that relationship, but also for our future, right? And uh, it's super important, we would argue, that you be aware of what your hopes, dreams, and uh, desires are for the future, right? And that you be able to articulate, articulate those. So if, if you're in an engaged relationship, for example, you should be having conversations about what's in your box, right, of hopes, dreams, desires. If you've been married uh, for a little while, maybe 10 years or more, you should know what's in your, what, what your mate's box looks like, right? But we don't just carry a box like this into marriage. We carry a box like this into any uh, relationship that we have. So, for example, um, you know, some of you, you dream about, um, you know, a, a healthy financial future, right? Plenty of this. So uh, some of you think, well, hey, we're going to have a double income. And others th might think, no, I'm going to, you know, stay at home. My spouse will uh, provide here. You know, some of you are like, hey, we're going to live by a budget. And others are like, no, a budget sounds like an allowance to me. I, 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 got, I left allowance behind when I was a teenager, right? I don't want to live by a budget. Some of you are thinking, hey, we're going to discuss uh, all of our purchases and agree together before we make them. And others are thinking, I would like to just go out and buy, you know, the things that I want, right? So but you have some hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to your money. Others of us have hopes, dreams, and desires, right, as it would relate to one of these. I mean, we're going to, all of us have to live somewhere, uh, but some of you have some very clear ideas about the kind of neighborhood that you'd like to live in, the kind of house that you'd like to have, the number of rooms you'd like that house to have, the, the way that house is going to be furnished. There's all these hopes, dreams, and desires, you know, around uh, this, right? Sure. And then uh, others of us uh, maybe have hopes, dreams, and desires around children, right? So some of us think, hey, I'd, I'd like to have a child. And if maybe if you're an only child, you think, well, I, I don't want to have just one child, so we need to have at least 
two, right? And then others might be thinking, well, no, hey, why stop there? You know, let's go to three. And then others of you are, you know what? I, I want to I wanna house a basketball team. So, but wherever your hopes, dreams, and desires lie with kids, right? Those numbers could look a little bit different. Some of us have some ideas about the way that chores should be handled around the house, division of labor. Hey, you know, maybe we're going to, maybe some of us hope we're going to eat out a lot and there won't be very many dishes to do. Others of us think, no, I want to cook at home and be at home and, and, you know, he'll cook and she'll do the dishes or she'll do the dishes and he'll cook, right? So we have all these dreams and hopes, dreams and desires just related to how we're we're going to keep that house, you know, functioning and running. You know, some of us have hopes, dreams, and desires around uh, what we believe. Hey, we're going to believe the same things. Here's the way we're going to perform around our b- beliefs. Here's the activities we're going to be engaged in. We're going to be plugged into a local church. We're not going to be plugged into a local church, but some of us have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to the way that we're going to believe, right? Others of us have some hopes, dreams, and desire, desires centered just on the relationship. You know, hey, we're going we're gonna to be affectionate with one another. We're, we're not going to do PDAs, right? Whatever it might be. Some of us may think about the, our relationship in terms of conflict and the way we're going to navigate conflict together. It's going to be okay to raise our voices. No, we shouldn't ever raise our voices when we have conflict, right? But we have some hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to our relationship. Some of us have hopes, dreams, and desires around um, scheduling, the way we're going to spend and use our time. So we're going to spend, you know, 25% of our time with his friends, and we're going to spend 25% of our time with my friends. Uh, Or, you know, hey, we're going to spend, we'll split the holidays, that'll be fine. But some of us are thinking, you know, we're going to split 50-50. I get Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving. And you get Groundhog Day, Halloween, and uh, Labor Day, right? So we have, but we have, we have these hopes, dreams, and desires. I remember one time I was in seminary and Jackie and I were getting to know another couple. And I asked this couple that we were getting to know, hey, where are you guys going to spend Thanksgiving this year? And at the exact same time, they each said, at my parents' house. And it was an awkward moment. And then they began to have that discussion right there. Clearly, they hadn't had that discussion until I asked the question, right? But we all have hopes, dreams, and desires as it relates to the calendar. Some of us have hopes, dreams, and desires about maybe our kids. Our kids are going to be athletic. Uh, athletic. They're going to play sports. Others might say, you know what? I want my kids to be academic and intelligent. And some of us, almost every husband in the room, has some hopes, dreams, and desires centered around what his wife will or will not wear to bed every evening, right? And the wife is thinking, hey, he just wants me to be comfortable. And the husbands couldn't disagree more, right? So we have hopes, dreams, and desires uh, wrapped around that. So see, all of us, what I want us to catch and see today is that all of us carry around this invisible box. And at some point, 
in every relationship. It might be uh, a day in, a week in, a month in, a year in, but at some point, here's what happens with that box. We take that box, right, and we offer it to that person and we say, hey, make my hopes, my dreams, my desires come true. I mean, hey, that's why I, that's why I sought you out. That's why I asked you out. I thought you could be that guy or that girl that would make my hopes, dreams, and desires come, come true, right? That's why I walked down the aisle with you. That's why uh, I asked you to marry me in the first place, because I thought you might be, you know, that man, that woman, right? Now, here's what I want us to see. When we hand this box to another human being filled with our hopes, dreams, and desires, it doesn't feel like hopes, dreams, and desires to them, does it? No. What it feels like is it feels like demands and expectations. That to them, when we hand that box over, it feels weighty. To them, there's a pressure associated with that box, right? I mean, to them it feels like, hey, if I don't come through, you know, they might be disappointed. They might be hurt. Now, an expectation is simply this. An expectation is a strong desire that I turn into a demand. Let me say it again. An expectation is a strong desire that I turn into a demand. Um, So, here's what that looks like. You know, Hey, honey, I know this is just a starter home, but hey, we talked about the kind of home we both eventually want to live in, right? So, uh, so it may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, but honey, one day, right, we're going to live in that home that we both dreamed of. Now listen, and it gets even worse, it gets even more complicated, because not only when we hand someone else our box, does it feel like a demand or an expectation to them, but... At the same time that I'm handing them my box, see, they are handing me their box filled with their hopes, their dreams, and their desires. So essentially, we're swapping boxes, right? And I'm holding hers, and she's holding mine. Now, when we swap boxes, uh, this is where opportunity comes up for division, right? For misunderstanding, for disagreement. And it could be almost over anything. And if you've been married more than about five minutes, you know that, right? You have a good handle on that. Now, uh, when, when I swap boxes, when we say, hey, look, I'll give you mine and you give me yours, uh, we become aware of their hopes, dreams, and desires in a way that really maybe before was kind of unspoken or intangible. But the reality is whenever I hand my hopes, dreams, and desires to somebody else or I receive somebody else's, they're thinking this. They're thinking, look, I spent years thinking about this and I've always envisioned that it would look this way, that we would be this way, that we would feel this way together. But then all of a sudden, those hopes, dreams, and desires are becoming a burden, you know, to someone else, right? So it's a weight and a pressure. And because of that weight and because of that pressure, when we swap boxes with someone, one of four things will usually happen. Uh, The most extreme thing that will usually happen is we leave. 
right? We just say, you know what? That is not what I had in mind. This is not what I signed up for. Listen, you changed lanes. You switched gears. You changed the rules, right? I can't carry this expectation. I'll never live up to what you think I should be. So I'm just going to leave. But do you know what you do when you leave? You take your box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and you carry that box into the very next relationship. See, this box goes with you wherever you go, and it, it undermines our relationships if we're not aware, you know, of what's in there. So we leave. The second thing that can happen uh, when we're dealing with particularly, you know, demands and expectations is we just win. You know, we win. A lot of us, we just want to win. Now, in every relationship, not always, but generally, one person in the relationship is just a little bit stronger, right? A little bit more dominant. So in those situations, oftentimes, one partner will kind of power up, and just in the interest of keeping peace, the other person kind of powers down and so the person that powers up they kind of win and they run the show right they lead the way so nine times out of ten what they say is gonna go and interestingly oftentimes what the what the when a person powers up they'll leverage the three c's which I would call uh, the three C's to an unhealthy and a dysfunctional relationship. So if you want a dysfunctional relationship, just begin to, to utilize these C's, and it's going to get you there every time. But the first one is uh, they just convince. You know, so they might say something like this. Now, look, you know, I realize this is how you thought it was going to go, but you're just wrong. I realize this is how you always dealt with conflict in your family, but how'd that work for your parents? Yeah, it didn't work for them, and it's not going to work uh, for us either. I mean, I know, honey, that you always dreamed about this. Hey, listen, I, honey, listen, I have the good box. Your box is bad. See, my box is the rational box, but your box is the irrational box. So if you'll just come over and do things out of my box, I promise you that just because you're married to me, all your hopes, dreams, and desires are going to come, come through, right? And so convincers say things like this. They say things like, you know, hey, I don't want to be critical, but how did that work out for your parents? And then that leads to the second C, which is control. Hey, listen, it didn't work for your parents, so it's not going to work for us either. We're not going to do it that way. And at the end of the day, the interesting thing about this is that the winner, you know, the dominant personality, is happy. The winner's happy. I mean, for them, life couldn't be better. Life is great. It's fantastic. They're living out their dream. But the problem is they're living out their dream at the expense of someone else's hopes, dreams, and desires. And that's not the way that marriage is meant to work, is it? Uh, and then there's kind of a third uh, response. Uh, it, if, if one person's going to win... Uh, then the other person is going to conform, right? They're, they're going to give in. 
now, the reason they do this is because when they give in, the temperature in the relationship starts to go down. Conflict starts to ease up and melt away, right? And so, just in the interest of peace and tranquility, uh, one person in the marriage will usually conform. And they'll say things to themselves like this. Well, you know, as long as she's happy, I guess I'm okay with it. Well, as long as he's fulfilled, I guess I can, you know, take it on the chin. Hey, it's not what I dreamed of. It's not what I expected. It's not what I hoped for. But, hey, at the end of the day, we're not fighting. So, you know, that's a win. They conform. And then there is one more thing, and, and a lot of people think that this C um, is kind of the end goal, the end game. That, in other words, if you do this next thing, right, in your marriage, that that's what marriage is about. And, and by the way, the fourth, this fourth C is the most common C. It's the most common response, and it's this. We just compromise, in fact, I think for many people, again, they think this is the goal. That's how you stay marriage. You just compromise, right? And they think about their parents and they say, well, I think that's the way my parents, my mom and dad tried to get through this is they just compromised and somehow, you know, they just figured it out. But what I want us to see is that within a marriage based on compromise, it is inevitable that it leads to what I would call scorekeeping keeping score everybody's keeping a record it's kind of a, a little bit contractual right hey we agree this year we're going to spend thanksgiving with my parents because last year we spent thanksgiving with your parents hey yeah i know your dad's sick but hey you said you promised right so uh yeah you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to be aware of what, how I'm upholding my end of the bargain, and I'm going to keep track of how well you uphold your end of the bargain. And if you keep upholding your end of the bargain, then I'll keep upholding my end of the bargain, right? Now, I would say a couple things about this kind, about compromise like this in a marriage. First of all, that is not the end game. Next week, we're going to talk about what the end game of marriage is, but it is not compromise, and I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. In a compromise relationship, that is always a low trust relationship. In other words, the minute that someone in that kind of marriage starts to kind of let down on their end of the deal, you're going to pull back and you're going to pull away and you're going to wait for them to right the ship before you kind of step in and do what you think you should be doing in the relationship, right? And I would just argue, uh, there, it's just low trust and you can't be intimate with someone that you don't trust, now, there's another problem with a marriage based on compromise as well, and it's a subtle thing, but I want to bring it out anyway, uh, and it's, uh, it's fueled by what I would call kind of an inferior motive, an inferior motive, and sometimes this will sound bad when I first say it, but stay with me. So people that live in a compromised marriage, they'll say things like this. Well, you know, hey, I just want my marriage to work. And by the way, I want you to note who's in the middle of all that. I want my marriage 
to work, right? I'm committed to my marriage. Now listen, that sounds good and it sounds healthy, but nobody marries a marriage. Nobody dates a relationship. When two people have a relationship, there are always two names in that equation, right? When you marry someone, you make a commitment to them. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't want Jackie to be committed to her marriage. I want my wife Jackie to be committed to me. I want her to be committed to me and not just a contractual obligation, right? I want my name to be one of the names in the equation. And I'll bet if you ask my wife, she would say, oh yeah, I want Brad to be committed to me. Sure, all of us do, right? Um, uh, because being committed to my marriage or saying I want my marriage to work, once again, who's in the middle of all that? Yeah, you are. It's all about you. It's all about, you know, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, right? But you're not married to a marriage. You're married to a person that also has hopes, dreams, and desires just like you do. Now, I said earlier that a lot of people think that compromise is kind of the end game of marriage, right? And, and I would say that if you land there, uh, that's better than nothing. It is. It's better than nothing. I mean, being for marriage, right, is better than being against marriage. And wanting your marriage to be a good marriage is certainly better than not wanting your marriage to be a good marriage. But, but there's something far more important in marriage. And again, we're going to look at that something next week. Um, but I, I want to keep talking about why I think a compromised marriage falls short. And this is so important because a compromised marriage is based on expectations, right? And expectations create in any relationship, not just a marriage relationship, but it creates what, what we're going to call this morning a debt-debtor relationship. In other words, Whenever I put all my hopes, dreams, and desires, whenever I hand you that box, I'm saying to you, you better make all of those dreams, all of those things in that box come true. You owe me the fulfillment of my dreams. You owe me, uh, you know, uh, attention, right? You owe me to resolve this conflict. You owe me affection. You owe me to pay the bills. You owe me to provide for me. You owe me to make sure that the house is clean. You owe it to me to stay fit and stay, stay in shape. You owe me patience. You owe me playing with the kids in the allotted amount of times. You owe children to me, right? You owe me socks, whatever, clean socks, whatever it is. You owe me creates a debt-debtor relationship. And it all boils down to this. Well, fine. You just did what you were supposed to do. I mean, hey, that's what a man does. That's what my father did. That's what every husband should do. Nothing more than that, right? That's, uh, that's what women are supposed to do. That's what my mom did. That's what every married woman is supposed to do, right? And there is a huge, huge problem with this, and you probably already see this now. How much gratitude 
How much gratitude do you express to people who pay you what they owe you? And we all know the answer, don't we? The answer is we don't. I mean, I'm not grateful when somebody pays me what they owe me. I expect them to pay me what they owe me, right? So we don't. We don't express gratitude to people when they meet our expectations. We rarely express gratitude for what we've come to expect. It's human nature and it's true for all of us. So let's say that someone is very reliable, you know, for a period of years. And they meet your expectations over a long period of time. You're never going to, you're not going to continue to thank them for continuing to just meet your expectations. But when you and I come to expect from someone what they've always done, here's what I need us to hear. Gratitude almost always dries up and vanishes. And this is why couples get into ruts where they just rarely say, wow, thank you. You surprised me with that. I totally didn't expect that. Hey, I know you've made, every bre- you've made breakfast for me every day for the last 10 years, but thank you for making me breakfast. I am so surprised. I can't believe it, right? This element of gratitude is so important in the element of marriage, right? So, yeah, gratitude says, I didn't expect that. And I'm super grateful for it. Thank you. Now, there's yet another problem with this debt-debtor dynamic that happens in compromise-fueled marriages. And it's so insidious is that it really eliminates the possibility of showing and giving and receiving love from one another. Because if you owe me, you can't love me. Right? So, in other words, let's say that I owe Jackie flowers every Valentine's Day. Well, if I bring her flowers at Valentine's Day, she's not gonna she's not gonna interpret that as loving. That's what she expected me to do, right? All I did in her mind is bring our relationship back up to zero. See? Um So, I mean, I just did what she expected me to do. That's not going to be interpreted as loving. No, I'm just meeting her expectations, right? Or, well, hey, it's Christmas. Where's my gift? Awesome. Again, you just brought our relationship back up to zero. Here's what I'm telling you. If I owe you, then I can't love you, right? At least not unconditionally. I mean, love does not do very well in an environment of expectation. It just doesn't. And any time that you or I hand our box of hopes, dreams, and desires to another human being, and we expect them to fulfill our hopes, dreams, and our desires, there's a word for this used in the Bible that I really want to talk about. It's a word we don't use in our culture very much, but it's a very important word. And here's what I would say to you. Any time that a man or a woman takes all their hopes, dreams, and desires, and they hand them to another person and say, here you go, make it happen. 
make all my dreams come true. In essence, what they have done is they have put all uh, they have made that person, that individual, an, uh, something that the Bible calls an idol, an idol, an idolatry never suits us idolatry is kind of the worship we don't again think about worshiping um, other people in a relationship but we worship anything that we depend on or count on to get us through uh, an idol is anything that I press into to to help me be happy or help me get through uh, you know that season right um, and here's the problem the main the main problem with idolatry is that you and I aren't meant for it. It doesn't suit us very well. We are meant for something far better. We are meant to place our hopes, dreams, and desires into something that is far more substantive than another broken, flawed, imperfect, the Bible would use the word sinful. When I use that word, I just mean a person that wants to go their own way, do their own thing, decide for themselves what's best and right and true in life, as opposed to a deity or God telling them what to do, right? So, and listen, when it comes, I'm not saying this morning that we shouldn't have hopes, dreams, and desires. I'm just saying that when it comes to those things, the problem isn't that we desire too much. The problem is that we desire too little. Uh, and my, the problem is that we run to the wrong things to see those hopes, dreams, and desires fulfilled. And there's a wonderful passage of Scripture that doesn't even mention the word marriage that I think makes this very clear. It's in the book of Zechariah. That's in the Old Testament. Zechariah was an Old Testament prophet. And here's what he writes, and we're going to apply this to relationships. He says, Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It's the Lord who makes storm clouds. He gives showers of rain to men and plants of the field to everyone. Now, the, the principle here is you ask the person who has the potential to make it happen, right? And then he goes on in verse 2, and he speaks of idols. Some versions, some translations here actually use the word household idols, and the idea was that people would go and they'd buy a little statue that rep represented their God and they might set it in their living room and they might go and bow to it and pray to that little statue uh, hoping it would see them through or give them, you know, fulfill their hopes, dreams, and desires, right? And so that's the practice that he's addressing here. And he says, you know, the idols, they just speak lies. They just, they deceive. Diviners see visions that lie. They tell dreams that are false. Now, that's interesting, right? Because we all have dreams. But when we take our dreams and we place those in an idol, there is no way that idol can deliver what I'm hoping for. And it's not even fair to expect them to do that in the first place, right? And then he goes on to say, they give comfort in vain and then he kind of tells the end result of idolatry and it's not good he says therefore the people wander in other words they go over here trying to find what they're looking for they go over there trying to find what they're looking for they wander like sheep that are oppressed oppressed 
hard-pressed, hemmed in, hurt. They wander like, like sheep oppressed because they lack a shepherd. They lack someone who has their best interests at heart. They lack a heavenly father that would love to speak into their hopes, dreams, and desires precisely and only because he is good. He's good, right? Well, uh, and then in the New Testament, I just want to look at how our shepherd is described. It's so important that we understand our God in this way as the God of hope, right? That if, if we have hopes, we need to bring those hopes first and foremost to him, right? Here's what it says. For everything that was written in the past, he's talking now about the Old Testament in the New Testament, right? Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, let's apply this to your marriage for a moment. Wouldn't you agree that in your marriage you need some endurance? I mean, it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy when you swapped boxes with someone else to navigate that. Well, in this case, where does endurance come from? It comes from a vital relationship with God where we're grounded in the Scriptures, where we're grounded in God's Word. That brings endurance. But that's not all. He says also Not only does he provide endurance, but he provides encouragement through his word. Encouragement. Wouldn't you agree that in your marriage, you need a little encouragement? And here's what's so difficult about this. If you're in a marriage, and if you're in a marriage, and the encouragement factor in your marriage isn't real high, in other words, you're not real good at complimenting one another and expressing gratitude to one another. Holy cow, I mean, that's no way, no kind of marriage. You need to grow out of that, right? But here's the difficulty. If you're not receiving that encouragement from God, you're going to need that encouragement even more. You're going to look for it harder. You're going to wish for it more from your mate. You're going to expect it. You're going to take that desire for more encouragement in your relationship and you're going to make it a demand because you're not getting encouragement anywhere and this is one of the reasons that people have affairs because they bump into somebody and this person is really good at offering them encouragement as it would relate to their hopes their dreams and their desires right and so they move in that direction and then he goes on he says, through the, through the endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have what? Hope. There's that word. God is a God of hope. In fact, he tells us this in the very next verse. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves. Now, you know, I, ref- I referred to the survey that we did several months ago in our kids' zone earlier, right? And what the way that parents responded is they said, listen, we're not on the same page in our marriage. We need unity in our marriage. Well, where does unity come from? This verse tells us unity comes from both being yielded to God. 
not necessarily, you know, from compromising with one another, but yielding to God. And God brings unity. And, and wouldn't you agree that your marriage needs some of that? Yeah, I would too. And then look what he says in verse 13. May the God of what? May the God of hope, hope. Listen, friends, the truth about our God is that he wants you to live out of your hopes, dreams, and desires. Scripture says he's good. And uh, the scripture also tells us that even before there was sin, that there was blessing, that God just loves, God lives just to bless people. He wants to bless us in our hopes, our dreams, and our desires. But here's the problem that many of us face. Many of us, uh, you know, we just, we've come to a point in our lives where it's just about us, right? Our hopes, our dreams, our desires. But what God would say is, listen, if you'll come to me and you'll seek me for what my hopes for your life are, for what my uh, dreams for your life are, and for what my desires for your life are, if you'll filter your hopes, dreams, and desires through the filter of my hopes, dreams, and desires for you, it'll be game on. It'll be living life at a new level. But you've got to be filtering those, right? through God's hopes, dreams, and desires for you. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 62, verse 5, he said, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Listen, when you come to another imperfect, flawed, uh, sinful human being and you hand them your box of hopes, dreams, and desires, it's not going to end well. Because they're going to let you down. But God has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Because of his goodness. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 25 verse 5, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. All day long, every day. You know, I'm not only, and listen, I'm not saying that in a marriage you shouldn't have some expectations. Of course you should. But how do you filter those through your relationship with God? And so that's why next week it's absolutely vital that you tune back in or that you regather with us uh, next week as we talk about that key dynamic. Um, in your marriage. In the meantime, we're just going to respond to God together. I want to walk you through a, ways that, a few of the ways that you can do that right in your living room. Uh, you're going to note a link there in the chat bar that will take you to our website. You know, maybe your marriage needs prayer. You can submit, you can go to that website and there's a place where you can click submit a prayer request. Maybe you'd even li actually like prayer with a pastor. You know, you can respond and let us know that as well. Maybe you'd like to give. Uh, there's a place where you can click and just give right from your living room. Maybe some of us just need to be dialed in to the words that we're about to sing together. Maybe some of us just need to be aware of, of just how big the God is that we're singing about and singing to. And just remind ourselves, He's here now. He's with us. He's here with me and He's there with you. 
So no matter how you need to respond to, to God together today, all of us have a need to do that. And let me just give you one last way that I think some of us may need to respond together today. There may be some of us, and we're sitting in a living room somewhere, and we're saying, you know what? I realize that I, I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing my whole life. I've never given what God said was true of me a second thought. I've never given any consideration at all uh, to God's hopes and dreams and desires for my life. But those days are over. I want to start living my life today, this very moment, out of God's hopes, dreams, and desires for my life. And so what I want to invite you to do is just pray along with me. I'm going to say a very short prayer and you can kind of pray along with me in that prayer if God's put that desire on your heart. So let's kind of all bow our heads no matter where we may be. And I just want to invite you to pray along with me. Now listen, if you're already a follower of Jesus or this is a prayer that you've already prayed before, you certainly don't need to pray along. I would just pray for those who do need to pray. Right, But for those who uh, do want to pray along with me, let's just bow our heads and let me pray for you. And I would just encourage you uh, to pray along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your one and only Son to die on the cross. And God, we just thank you that he didn't stay dead, but that he was raised to live life and that he might live life in me and bring new life to me. So, Lord Jesus, in light of that, I confess my sin to you, my, my waywardness, my rebellion of you, my disregard for you almost all my life. And I confess that I want to come home to you, Heavenly Father, that I need you not only to be my forgiver, to forgive me of my sin, my brokenness, my imperfection, and that, uh, but I need you also to be my leader. I need you to come into my life, God, today, Lord Jesus, because you were risen to live in me. So I need you to come into my life and begin to make me the man, make me the woman that I need to be. And so I ask you for that. I ask you to not only be my forgiver, but to be my leader. And I, I promise to live out of the power of your Holy Spirit, not my own power, not my own inability to love, not my own impatience, but God, out of the patience that your Holy Spirit will bring into my life. And so by that Spirit that lives and moves and breathes within me, would you come and begin to make me the kind of man that you want me to be, the kind of woman that you want me to be. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Hey, now listen, before we begin to worship together, I just want to say one more thing. You know, we don't live out the Christian life based on our feelings. So if you prayed that prayer with me, you're praying out of faith and trust in what God's Word has said. And in Revelation 3.20, Jesus makes this promise. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And so if you opened the door of your heart a moment ago to Jesus, you have it on His authority. He has promised that He will come in and begin to lead and guide you every day, regardless of how you feel. See, we live the Christian life by faith, 
not by feelings. Faith is the engine. Feelings are the caboose, right? So if you prayed that prayer along with me and you meant it, I just want to say to you, I want to be one of the first to say, welcome to the family of God. Um, And we'd invite you to come and join us. But listen, if you prayed that prayer, uh, again, I would encourage you, click the link and then let somebody know that. Let us know that you made that decision for the very first time today so that we can come alongside you and just help you grow. We want to do that. And so now, God, we just ask you to be with us, to help us as we worship, as we sing. God, help us to be mindful of the words that we sing, the God that we sing to. Because you are the Lord, and nothing is too big for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. So we give you thanks and praise, and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.